We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, brought to you today by Game Time, which is the easiest way to buy tickets to sporting events, concerts, comedy shows, theater, or whatever the heck you want to go to. For only two more weeks, this week and next, you can get $20 off your first purchase by downloading the Game Time app and using our promo code BRONX. This is going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. We've got a, a, a delayed morning, it, a cluster F of a, of, a, of a night for Scott last night, cluster F of a morning for me this morning. And you've got you've got other stuff to do today. So hi Scott, what's up? How we doing? Get some uh, yeah yeah. What a oh my god! What a morning. Fire my smoke detectors are going off at three a.m. and then go off every thirty minutes. Uh, trying to find trying to find out no fire, no smoke, just you know a malfunctioning thing. And they're all connected, right? Which is a good thing, but not when there's one malfunctioning. It's really hard to find out what's it's, going on. It's so funny because uh, this happened to me, not the exact scenario, but my smoke detectors in my house last week, one time went off randomly. It was like 930 at night. So we hadn't gone to bed yet, but the kids were, were asleep. Yeah. And it's so funny. You get so angry at your smoke detector for going off. Right. And you're like, what? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> and you're like, but this will save my life. If it went in if there's a real fire. Yeah. And the funny, it's not funny, but um, the ironic thing, it's not even ironic. I don't even know. I'm, I'm delirious. So, uh, but yeah, as soon, as soon as it goes off, I've, I've never like 
jumped out of bed and sprinted uh, into Kemp's room like, as fast as human. It was like the flash. It was like one of those moments that um, that you get superhuman uh, speed and strength. Uh, but luckily, nothing wrong. Just a something malfunctioning multiple times in the night. Um, but yeah, so, man. And I stayed up late because I wanted to watch the end of Game Seven last night. So that was uh, not a great combination, but pretty exciting baseball. Honestly, like I've not usually watching uh, postseason all that much, but I've been pretty into this one. One, I wanted to see the Astros lose. I needed to see the Astros lose, and thank Does God that happened. Really, still because like they won. It does. Last it makes year, me happy. Like, it uh, makes me happy. It once still they won again. Happy. Once they won again. They've you know seven straight ALCSs. I know they they didn't repeat as champs, so that leaves the still the Yankees from from the '98 to 2000 run as the last baseball team to repeat as champion, which is kind of crazy to think about, like that it's been that long. Like there's been great teams, like the Astros are the closest thing to the '90s Yankees dynasty that that baseball has seen since then. Seven straight Final Fours. They're closer is, to the Atlanta Braves of the '90s than they are the Yankees. So let's let's back up a minute because the um, Braves, the Braves the, only won one championship. Ooh, da- sounds the, familiar. No, I mean the the Astros. The first have won one two didn't count. That didn't count. Okay. Well, they've got they've got two titles. So I think they would. They're probably closer to the Yankees than they are the Braves. Although both both are are good comps. Um, I refuse yeah, so, to acknowledge the first championship, so that's why I'm going to the Braves. We've got a couple things to to talk about. Uh, we we figured it'd be good to start with the playoffs because yeah, like you said, both both championship series were were highly competitive down down to the wire. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to look at the rosters of these teams just to compare, like how are these teams doing things versus how the Yankees are doing things? Because I don't know that anyone would have if there's somebody out there who preseason somehow got in on the Diamondbacks. Rangers World Series odds. Good for you. You're probably cleaning up right now. Yeah. But that those are two teams that nobody thought were going to be in the World Series this year. The Rangers did a lot in the offseason, the last two offseasons, but still, after they spent all that money prior to the 2022 season, they didn't have a good year. People thought they'd be competitive because you add that much talent to a roster. Like, you're not going to suck. But I don't know that anyone was beating the drum for Rangers World Series. No, but we had them a lot more competitive in the division because of you know their biggest problem that they've had over the years. They've they've had hitting in in uh, in prior years, but they've never had pitching, and they went you know buck on the pitching side. And I, I thought I thought it was in uh, in in they were in huge trouble, and they were when Degrom went down. Degrom was a big risk for them. Uh, he went down obviously, uh, but they just they kept loading they kept loading up. Obviously, the Jordan Montgomery, um, the, they got Scherzer. So they they certainly went for it. And it's interesting to watch who's constructing that team as well and who's also running that team on the on the field. You got, you know, in the ALCS, uh, Bruce Bochy and, um, and Dusty Baker, two old school managers, former, you know, former NL guys have had a lot of success. Both uh, have won championships. And you you see on the Rangers side who's constructing that team. Uh, our old friend Chris Young, who I think has played for every single major league franchise potentially, uh, and seemingly was pitching up until like last year. <laughs> I feel like the guy was pitching into uh, deep into his 40s. But he's you see in the booth or in the box, you got Chris Young up there next to Michael Young. Michael Young was one of my you know favorite non-Yankees growing up because the guy just seemingly did everything, and he was a, just an all-around really good player. He would spray the ball. He had a good glove. Um, he was just a really good player on some mediocre teams. And these guys are constructing that team. And and 
you know, I'm sure they're using analytics quite a bit. I'm sure they're they're looking at statistics and understanding how to uh, complement players. But but these guys are, are also using their eyeballs and they're looking at intangibles, which is something that we've complained about quite a bit with the makeup of this roster. Intangibles. How do you get? And I heard a um, this. You know, when we're looking at these teams, we'll look at the last four standing, but. You know, Dombrowski's known for going out there and and being a free agent hero and just constructing teams on uh, on the back of um, of the of the wallets of of an owner. But he does a good job doing it. He sells off assets that are young and brings in players that can compete and that are seemingly complementary. Um, and one of the big attributes that he's looking for is how do you bounce back? What is your what is your approach and attitude like when you're in a down slope, when you're in a down stretch? How do you bounce back from that? How, how is the resiliency of the player itself? How do you handle adversity? And these are qualities that, one, I want in every in any athlete on any team that I root for. Um, but, but the Yankees have had a real problem with that exact thing. And, and when you look at the makeup of some of these, uh, these teams, I just think they're interesting um, and, and certainly worth a conversation. It's also, you've got to be careful not to look at the current winners and be like, well, that's the new way to do it, because that right. might not be sustainable. If you remember when the Royals won the World Series, coming out of that, it was got to build a monster bullpen because that's how the Royals did it. So that's what that's the future of baseball is you got to have three, maybe four elite guys in the bullpen, and then you can win in October. And you saw the Yankees try to emulate that because immediately after the Royals won, they they built a bullpen of Chapman, Miller, Batances. BMC. And listen, like that that was a great bullpen, but the Yankees didn't win anything with that bullpen. So I, I'm just saying you it's it's we can look at the Diamondbacks roster and we can look at the Rangers roster, but that doesn't mean those teams f- unlocked something. They unlocked no. something for this year. I think the yeah. Rangers, what they've done, they've built a competitive team primarily through free agency and trades. They've got some some homegrown guys, and you need homegrown guys on your roster. You can't only build through free agency. It's happened occasionally throughout baseball, but that always falls apart very, very It's short-lived. Quickly. It's not a sustainable – it's usually not sustainable no. because you can't – you just can't afford to have that. You need to fill in pieces with young guys and role players. Um, not only afford it, it, but the the nature of building through free agency is you're getting guys in their prime towards the back end of, of their prime. So it's not going to be a five plus year run with thirty year olds that you sign in free agency. You're going to get a couple years before those guys start to decline. <clears throat> the, the 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 real dream is, and this is what we thought the Yankees were coming out of the 2017 season. The dream is you have a nucleus of players that you've built through your system that you have maybe not even in their prime yet, entering their prime that you're going to have for a six, seven, eight, nine year stretch. And you supplement with free agents to take you over the top. That is the dream for any organization, how you build something sustainable. 2018. I don't know. 2017, 2018. That's what I'm saying. Coming out of the 17 Yankees, that's what we thought they were going to be. They had a four or five guys you could point to that said, these are cornerstone franchise guys. Let's supplement with free agents over the next couple of years. It, it it didn't happen. And I don't know that either the Diamondbacks or the or the Rangers have have done it that way. What the Rangers did is they they really primarily built through free agency. Like if you look at their roster, Simeon Seeger, Evaldi Heaney, like all of these guys are 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 free agent signings. And then the trades you mentioned, I mean we didn't even mention DeGrom who, who's not there, but the trades that we that you mentioned for for Monty and um 
uh, Scherzer. Like the supplement with a couple of the homegrown guys. Josh Young is had a great, you know, a good season at third base. But like, I wouldn't look at that roster. If you look at the Rangers roster for 2023, uh, for the regular season, their top five guys for war are all free agent signings. Yeah, but the other, but you, so okay, you have to add the right free agents, right? We all agree with that. If you're, because well, yeah. you go out and add pieces that that are not Carlos uh, Rodon, Carlos Rodon, uh, John Carlos Stanton, you, you need to make sure that they're they're complementary pieces as well, and also talent evaluation, not only in the minor leagues with development, but identifying talent at a low level is so very, very, very important. You can have all the metrics and analytics you want in the world, but it, those analytics don't take shape until a player has, you know, a good amount of, of sample size, but identifying raw talent, identifying tools at a very early stage, whether it's through, you know, the international, uh, draft, whether it's in the, in the, in the, the, the um, draft at, out of college or in, you know, looking at the lower levels of minor leagues and making trades. Cause you know, you look through, um, some of the, the Rangers players too. And like, uh, Jonah Heim is a guy that I thought was a homegrown guy. He's, he's been there for uh, a bit. He's a young guy, but he's, he's not something, you know, he's not a, a, a guy that people thought was going to be a major contributor. The Rangers saw something there. They're, they're looking for particular qualities. They're looking for particular attributes in players. And yes, a lot of that's on the field, but some of it's some of it's off the field. Some of it's in the way that you, um, the way that you handle certain things. But you go to the Diamondbacks team, and a, a man off the street, a woman, a, a person off the street can't name, like frankly, one player on this team. Like they don't have no, a superstar. It's, it's it's crazy, and they don't have a superstar. I mean, Corbin the- Carroll is a superstar. He's he's slowly or quickly becoming my favorite player in baseball because he's freaking awesome and he's fun to watch and his demeanor is just like perfect. Um, but this team was constructed based on talent, based on identifying young talent and and making sure that you have um, you know complementary pieces and bringing in uh, guys like Evan Longoria, who who is at the very tail end of his career, the very tail end of his career, he's a shell of what he used to be. But you know he's like a he's like a Matt Holiday type, where you're coming in, veteran leadership, a guy that's that has won before, um, someone who can ground the younger players and. You you then look around Joe Mantiply, which is a guy that the Yankees uh, had, he had a cup of coffee with the Yankees. Tommy Pham, a guy that they traded for, who has got some fire and a little bit you know he's got a, a role on that team. Um, Guriel is another guy, been around the league a bit, but you know has also been discarded a few times. They see something in these players, and they're able to construct a bullpen that was dynamic. And again, you can't name three players on this team, let alone anybody in their bullpen off the street, and they are. They are dynamic and and very good. And I understand their regular season wasn't yeah, like the this snapshot is, this of perfection. Is, this is, this is where, a team getting very a, hot. Yeah. And this is where as a Yankees fan, if if the Yankees front office is looking at the Diamondbacks and saying, that's what we want to be, that's scary. They can't. They can't do that. They don't have the ability to do that because no, the Diamondbacks, because, but that's, the they, Diamondbacks no one payroll has the, is $60 million. No one has the ability to do that because it is lightning in a bottle. The They're Diamondbacks, closer to the Rays than they are the anybody else. The Diamondbacks won 84 games this year. The they played the Yankees in, in mid-September or whatever that was, where the Diamondbacks were fighting for their playoff lives, and the Yankees 
took two out of three from them. Didn't they take two out of three? And one of those games was rained out. And it was like, well, they have to make this game up because the Diamondbacks, oh, yeah, on Monday. It, it matters for the Diamondbacks. That might have even been like one of the last, uh, I think that was the last homestand for the Yankees. Uh, the Diamondbacks had an okay, I mean, 84 games. It's, that's not a great regular season. I was watching, I forget what game it was. I think it was game five uh, uh, of the NLCS. And they were talking about how the Diamondbacks have built a team around their defense and their defense is being, I'm like, this, this is the, this is the NLCS team, like building around defense, like fine. Run prevention. Might be. This is what the Diamondbacks have done is fun for them, but that's not sustainable. You can't, you can't say we're going to go out and be the Diamondbacks. You can look at what the Rangers have done. Certainly what the Astros have done over the past seven years, because they have clearly built something that's sustainable. Even if you want to call one of their championships fraud, fine. Seven straight. But, but even the Astros, even the Astros had the opportunity to completely reset, build through the draft, build through young players, and suck like suck suck for years uh, so that they could you know build the sustainable team. Sure. Oh, and by the way, if you if you have the ability to suck for a few years and like stockpile uh, young talent that you're hitting on again, plan. To me, the, the the number one the number one attribute in any team to to have, it, or the number one uh, positive skill set to have, is is uh, talent evaluation. If you can't evaluate talent and identify it, so that uh, you're you're seeing the the type of player that's going to translate into major league talent, then you're you're screwed no matter what you do. I don't care how big your payroll is. Do you is, think that's the Yankees' biggest problem, Brian Cash? Yes, I think it's problem a problem. Is talent evaluation? I think it's a significant problem, yes. And be, th- along with the talent evaluation goes the fit of that team because you have to evaluate how a particular player is fitting within the roster construction. And to me, those are all, all, all correlated. But it starts you know, well before that. If you have the ability to do that, like let's just say the Diamondbacks had the ability to spend like the, like the, the Yankees. Um, now, you know, everybody's in big trouble because they have a nucleus and they can go out and also fill gaps with, with free agents. And that's kind of what... Uh, the, the Astros thing is they've tried to do that a couple times. Like when they they did it too early though. Greinke they, they, for a massive deal, and then they signed Bumgarner for a massive deal out of nowhere. Like it, it, they they've done some weird things in, in recent history that you're leave you scratching your head. Like what are the Diamondbacks doing? Yes, they've and then I think that it's probably being a little early uh, on on some of the some of the signings. Um, and again, you got to hit on some of these players. Like that's very obvious, and that's not. You can have all the you can have all the talent evaluation uh, guys you want that are that are highly successful at doing it. It's still a relative crapshoot, but at least you're putting yourself in a better position to do something like that. When you look at the homegrown players, twelve on this roster, on this Diamondbacks team, that's really impressive. It, it is, and Corbin Carroll just looks like a, you know, a, a guy that's going to be a stud for ten plus years. And and maybe the Diamondbacks next year win ninety four games, and all of these these homegrown players. And everything, this team just continues to blossom. And we look at the Diamondbacks five years from now and like, wow, they 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 were on the cusp of something. That first year they made the World Series was actually just the beginning. Or next year they win 84 games again. And instead of having a hot run through through the playoffs as the number six seed, they lose in the wild card round. Like that's also just as realistic. It is also realistic, but at least they're putting themselves in a position and they're not just saying, oh, it's a crapshoot. We're actually building a sustainable thing that we can tinker with and make ourselves better, not have to look around and then and completely you know, retool for, for uh, a run because you realize your, your, your construction is, is off. You know, they, they built it in a methodical way that, that made sense 
to sustain and then to be able to add a player or two players to then you know give themselves another bump if something doesn't work out like there are plans to to look at how uh you can you can flex a roster into at least a competitive team to get yourself in it and i I don't totally disagree that it's a crapshoot. It is. You see the the what the six seeds now are, are two years in a row. Is that it? The, that have uh, gone this far in the playoffs? Like, yeah, the hot no, team. No, it's not a crapshoot though, because like I to just an extent said, it is. You got to get hot at the right time, no doubt. But that doesn't matter whether you're. You, just you still have to have a sustainable roster. Yeah, to just get because to that there's position. a different just because there's a different World Series winner every year for the past twenty something years does not make it a crapshoot. Because like I just said, the Astros made seven straight championship series. Okay. I don't expect a team to win every single year. But if you're in the final four consistently over a seven year stretch, that to me says no, it is not a crapshoot. The Astros are clearly good, and they clearly have a team that is capable of winning in October. Does it win every single October? No, because it's baseball and it's sports, and you can't possibly win every single time you take the field. But, that, but there's a difference. In, they're always there. Final four, seven straight years. There's a difference in mentality. You're you're talking about getting to the playoffs because it's a crapshoot, and that's all we have to do is get to the playoffs. Or you're talking about building a sustainable team that's always in the playoffs and understanding that mm-hmm. it's got to roll your way and and the the crapshoot of the tournament. But you're putting yourself in a very good position to be that team. That it's a different mentality. Like there's still a crapshoot to the playoffs once you get in it. But how are you getting in it? And how are you building your team? to sustain through it and put yourself in a better position. It's not, you know, getting two hits a game and striking out 16 times. It's that that's not the rock. Like, yeah, you could get in the playoffs and then it's a crapshoot. Maybe you get lucky and hit the ball out of the park enough times in, in, right. in the right games. But, but these teams, you know, I, I haven't looked at their, their, their analytics and guys, if you can pull what this is, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if their strikeout numbers are lower and their on-base percentage is higher. Well, the, be I, I know the Astros every single year are near the top of the league for, um, strikeout are they strike out one of the least amount in the league consistently year in and year out. And usually, when you have a low strikeout percentage as a team, you're probably going to have a higher on base percentage. Here's well. where Logan tells us actually the Astros struck out more than anyone this year. Or actually, the the Diamondbacks <laughs> well, strike out a ton. It's funny because I was looking at this uh, right at the beginning of recording because Jeff Passan was kind of uh, beating his chest on Twitter about how like the Diamondbacks are a different brand of baseball and they're more fun. Astros uh third in base a uh, third best strikeout percentage in baseball. Um, Every year. Diamond Diamondbacks fourth best okay. strikeout percentage in baseball. What about Phillies and Rangers. Um Rangers so I bet Rangers are probably a little higher. Yeah, yeah. Rangers I bet strikeout. So out the Phillies struck out 20th in baseball at 23.9 actually exactly the same as the Yankees and okay. Texas 15th in baseball. It does make sense um, with the with the roster construction of those two teams. They do have a lot of power hitters. But, but how many more runs did the Phillies score this year than the Yankees yeah. got to be well, like 150? Yeah. What about on base percentage? On base percentage, Texas is third in, was third in baseball for the regular season behind the Dodgers and the Braves. Houston was fifth. Arizona was 14th. And the, the Diamondbacks are the outlier here, guys. For like sure. The, the Diamondbacks, the, they are, but they definitely play a different brand of baseball. They, they were second in baseball on stolen bases. Yeah. Well, course, they don't and, strike and, out a lot. Carroll had what 50, 50 stolen bases uh, by yeah. himself. Like they have Something a like they have a, a a very their whole roster is chock full of athletic guys that can that can run around and catch the ball and a great defensive team. Also. Which which also though, um, does usually play in October. A Absolutely team does. a team that doesn't make mistakes defensively or on the base paths and can keep runs down 
usually performs in October. You obviously still need to get hits with runners on base because ultimately it usually playoff games usually come down to one or two situations where did you score in that situation or not? But a team that is not going to beat itself has a usually a good track record in October. And and the Yankees have consistently beat themselves one way or the other for the past six seasons. The, the biggest problem, again, going back to what I just said about mentality and how you construct the roster, the Yankees are built for the regular season. They're built for, for you know, getting some big numbers, but they're, they are not built for the playoffs, especially the way that the playoffs are, are, uh, in 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 today's world they're just not they're yes they hit the ball you have to hit the ball out of the park i understand that you do um and again the diamondbacks are a bit of a of a um you know a buck against the trend but you just you you can't make it such a crapshoot when that ball goes out of the park you can't you can't put yourself in a position where it's you know a bunch of solo shots and that's what the yankees the yankees do because they're just never on base we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rangers, at I believe at the midseason point in the in the year, had the best record in the AL, right? Or they're right there with the with the Rays, and they had a they struggled in the second half uh, and got hot again at the right time. So you could look at that saying, well, they put themselves in a position to make the playoffs by having a great first half, and then they just got hot. So oh crap, shoot, Rangers are lucky. Or it's just a team that uh, was always built for the playoffs and went through a little bit of a, a struggle in the mid part of the season. But just to remember, though, that they needed to win the last game of the season and win the division, didn't. Yep. Had to go on the road to Tampa to play the Wild. Like, yep. you know, it definitely wasn't perfect. No, it I'm was not, not perfect. The, no, it wasn't But they also perfect. showed a lot of grit by both of these teams did by going and, and losing game five, going down to... Um, to the opposing team's ballpark and winning the last two games like that, I don't think that I saw or the I forget what the stat was, but it hasn't happened in a very long time, the, the, or maybe I hasn't happened. The, at all. I think the stat you're talking about was the Astros have now lost two seven game series where they lost all home games and they were the home team. They did it in the 19 World Series and they did it in in this, and that was the first time that's ever happened in baseball history. There was another one that I'm thinking of a different one where the where both teams had to go to the opposing ballpark in game six and oh, seven and win and, out and, and win out, yeah. yeah, and 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 do that. But um, yeah, man, it's a I, what baffles me, and I will say this: the 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 Rangers are certainly the closest thing you can look to for the Yankees as far as the way that they've built um, their team, except for they've done it 
they added more pieces, big name pieces. Way, way more pieces recently. than the Yankees have added. Yeah, but recently. Because uh, the Yankees have added big names, but you know it's going back a few. It's and now one we're, year. We're it's one tail. year though. Like if you yeah. look at what the Rangers go look at the Rangers roster in 2021. No, they. they <laughs> that's the thing. They, they've stocked guys in in two years yeah. that are that are going to be big contributors. I when I see Andrew Heaney on the mound for a team in the playoffs, <laughs> it baffles my brain. Like it yeah. really, it's really hard for me to compute how a team that is rolling out that guy. The Dodgers was telling, fixed him, right? Didn't the Dodgers fix him? Well, before he even threw a pitch, uh, we were watching the beginning of that game, and I was uh, and I was talking to Bevin, who was on the couch. We were talking. I was like, like no joke. This is the, I've never seen a worse pitcher play at the major league level than Andrew Heaney pitch on the Yankees mound. I've, I've literally never seen a worse pitcher than this guy throw. Like he was that bad. He was. I've never seen somebody more hittable than this guy. Uh, and then you know, sure as shit, he goes out there and gets shelled, gets one out. I think in the in the was in that- the game that he pitched. The 2019 season the Yankees acquired Heaney? Or was that more recently that they acquired him? More recently? Dude, I don't remember what year it was. It was 2021. Well, it wasn't 2020. It wasn't the COVID year. It might have been 21. Positive of that. Okay, so it was 21. They acquired 21. They acquired Andrew Heaney. And then he was awful, like you said. And then I think the Dodgers signed him and were like, 2021. He had a 7 3 2 year with the Yankees in 12 games. And then the Dodgers signed him. He pitched in 16 games to a 3.10 year. And, and, and as soon I don't as the know Dodgers what, signed know. him, though, as soon as the Dodgers signed him, I think we had this conversation. We're like, what do the Dodgers know? Because yeah. clearly well, they, they know something that we that don't know. That was what know. the Yankees were trying to do. Because they, Great. you know, they, he had he always had all the underlying strikeout numbers and stuff. I mean, you know, but when you're looking at talent evaluation, of it. <laughs> talent, exactly. exactly, talent evaluation, and then whatever the hell they're doing to tinker with guys. Or, I don't know what the hell happens when you walk into the Yankees clubhouse because apparently there's kryptonite, you know, built into the lockers because these guys suck. They just suck. There's nothing that's remotely resembles the player that we think that we're getting. When they or when the, the guy roster. leaves, they immediately. That's what I'm saying. They get their get powers better. back. Yeah, they're drained. They're like, oh man, walking around weak. There's something in the clubhouse, and then they get. It's the is there asbestos? The is there asbestos that someone? You know how someone buried like a a, a a Red Sox jersey in the concrete? Did someone put asbestos in there and not tell anybody? And just like you know, it's a they problem. dug that jersey up, right? That was an Ortiz jersey, and they didn't they dig that up? I think they I dug remember. that up. Yeah, but um, so I, I don't know. Again, talent evaluation, identifying the makeup of a player and how they can, how they can handle a, a situation. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's, uh, it's one of these things that, that is very, that is very puzzling when, when you see the type of player coming in and then just not doing the thing. Um, oh, yeah. I just think it's always, you got to be careful at looking at who's winning now and, and really asking yourself, is this sustainable or is this a little bit of a fluke? Because over the past X 10 years, call it, so going back to the you know the mid 2010s like and and going down the teams that have won some of them have been consistent and some of them there's definitely been flukes in there like the 2013 Boston Red Sox that was a fluke and then the 2014 Giants they they obviously weren't a fluke but that was the last time they won that was the end of their run then you had the 2015 2015 was the the Royals year right they had a two or three year run with that Royals team. And that's it. And that fizzled out. We thought well, that was going to be sustainable. Because, because they, you know, and this is something that very well might happen with uh, the Diamondbacks. It happened with the Cubs. When you get a, when you get a wave of young talent, that's controllable, that actually performs above their, you know, they're, they're punching above their weight. 
and and you're able to to you know lock in a few free agents, it, it becomes difficult to re-sign all those guys. That's but exactly what happened with the Royals. It's exactly what happened with the Cubs. The Cubs is the surprising one because if you but like let's look at the Kansas City Royals in 2015 in that World Series team. Who went on after they left to have like big careers? Like Lorenzo Kane, no. Eric Hosmer, he's he was good still with the Royals, and then once he signed in, he signed with the Padres as the as a big deal. Like he he wasn't good with them. Uh, Mustakas fizzled out. You had Wade Davis. Mustakas was team. good, but Mustakas was a solid player. But he, they, but again, they captured. Saying, they, this, they were the playing Royals well together a, at that point. They were. And they were controllable. They didn't have a big market dollar amount. Obviously, they didn't. They weren't able to to bring in uh, you know free agents. They they built through the draft. They built through international signings, and they developed their talent. And they came up in a wave. And that wave, similar to what the, we're seeing with the Diamondbacks, they were able to to uh, you know play complementary baseball. And they built the back end of that bullpen to be a juggernaut. And it played well with how the team played. You gotta think- know. You gotta know how the team is gonna play. You gotta feel the team. There's like a there's a heartbeat to the team that you have to understand as a as a GM and as as you know uh, uh, the the person who's in charge of the scouting department and and understand how these how these these players are going to fit together. And goddamn it, like in 2017, it felt that way. It felt that way. It felt like they had that wave coming. Complimentary players going into 18, and and then they. They changed leadership for some reason. They're like, no, this isn't going to work. We don't want to develop the young players with a guy that actually knows baseball. We're going to bring in some schmuck off the street that that has good. He's the bro of the of the uh, of these guys and could be a and, and could be the cool dad and and stop the the development, stop the accountability, stop all of the things that you need as a young player to be in position to play to your abilities. They screwed it up. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Cubs one, I think, if we're looking at recent history, is the most surprising. We thought, I think, with Rizzo and Bryant and uh, Dexter Fowler and some of those, you know, the pitching that they had at that time, that that would be a more sustained run, and that didn't happen. And it turns out the sustained run ended up happening by the Astros. Um, so They couldn't yeah, resign their guys. That was the biggest thing with them. They couldn't resign their guys. The Cubs? The Astros. But the yeah. Cubs still had those guys for a couple more years, and they they were never the same after that. They were not it's the very, same. They were competitive, but they were not the same. You're right. But they also couldn't do it over a sustained time because they couldn't they didn't resign the guys. But they, they, but, they could, them. but the Cubs are capable of signing players. I mean, I understand the Royals probably not You're right. capable I mean, there were choices of resigning. Made. But like the Cubs are a big enough market team where if they want to have a $260 million payroll, they absolutely could. Yes. Theo Epstein, though, you know, looking at the track record and, and going back to even uh Boston. It's not what they do. Yeah, Boston it go, goes up. They zig and zag every every three years. Boston zigs and zags. They they well, go after from- after that after the teams that were competing with the Yankees in the early two thousands. Uh, after they had that that strong nucleus of 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 guys, yeah, they 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 brought guys up. They sold. They didn't. They weren't re-signing guys. Like you know, the first person that they've actually signed to a long term deal. Um, was, Devers. Uh, Devers, yeah. Well, Devers, yeah. Of that, of that run, which was like the 2015 Red Sox, I think is when you started to see Bogarts. Um, I, I think Bogarts' rookie year was 2015. So if you want to call it that, that era Mookie of Betts. Red Sox, yeah, Mookie Betts, yeah, that time, yeah, the Devers came up a, a year or two after that is when he's the one that they ended up signing. Yeah, I don't know. So it, it's interesting to look at the final four teams every single year. I still am under the opinion that. 
largely the baseball playoffs are not a crapshoot because I see teams consistently winning. Do they win every year? No, but they're consistently there. And I think that's what the Yankees can be because they have the resources to do it and they have the resources to retain players in order to do it. Whereas if you're the Diamondbacks or if you're the Royals or some of these other teams we've been discussing, you might enter the lottery and you might get hot one or two years, but it's probably not going to be sustainable for you. And that's just the nature of the spending in the league. You also have to have some hits. And and then when you do get those hits, you have to make sure that you're 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 keeping those when I say hits, I mean on players. I yeah. mean literal hits, but also you have to be right hits, on hits on players. Talent. You can, and especially as a as a team like the Diamondbacks, you make one wrong move that's expensive that sinks your franchise. You you make one big signing that could that could set you back a number of years. Whereas the and Yankees, that, it's, and that's why they did make, it too early. Yeah, the Yankees can make early. five bad signings, and it should not hinder their ability to go out and continue to spend. But it does. But it does because it's a that's choice a self, that they make. That's a that's a self restraint. That's not an actual restraint. Correct. I mean, whether it's self self inflicted or it's a it's a restraint, it's still one that we see and we're feeling because they're making that choice. Um, and again, man, like go back. I really, I really, when you when you look back at this, the, the Yankees and Cashman, we would be singing different. I really believe that we would be saying different things about Brian Cashman today, if. If they kept a, a guy like Girardi or you know a guy like that in there to 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 keep those those young guys on the same path, and they deviated they deviated from the path that got them to that point, and they deviated at the at the leadership level, and frankly, whether they like him or not, development wise, it's very clear what that what that did to this team. It's very clear what that did to this team. I wonder if Brian Cashman gave Hal an ultimatum. Basically, like you give me full control over the baseball operations and the analytics and the decision making, or I'm not, re- I'm not continuing as GM. What a stupid ultimatum! If Hal even listens to to the person that's underneath him talking about that, then, then you know, that's soft. How, <laughs> how can that possibly happen? I don't know because, but like, basically, that's. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it was explicitly said in those words. When do you believe that that might have happened? I think his last ha- his last signing. No, I think it happened in the twenty in like the twenty fifteen sixteen time frame. When Ilya and I were doing that research for the Cashman episode, it, it that seems to be when the when it changed with Brian Cashman, and it no longer was he was fighting ownership on decisions. Because if you go back even a few years before that, you could see Cashman going one way and then ownership constantly stepping in and making decisions that counteracted what Cashman was trying to do. If you, like the big signings uh, of the 2013 winter with Ellsbury and McCann and Beltron or the signing of uh, who was that? It was Rafael Soriano, right, Ilya? That for whatever reason, Cashman was like against signing Rafael Soriano, and it wasn't even Hal that stepped in. It was it was um, was it Levine or somebody else stepped in to to like make that make that signing of Rafael Soriano. It was like very bizarre. And then I think after Cashman's contract was up at some point in the 14, 15, 16 time frame, he basically was like, "I'm only going to continue if if you if you guys butt the hell out here." 
Jacoby Jacoby Ellsbury's been uh, been been tweeting recently. Oh yeah, he's on, got a Twitter on the news, X. News to us. X. Yeah, maybe it's it's uh it's now popping. He's been jawing back at some people too. But MLB teams are paralyzed by analytics. Great to see former MLB player as a GM with baseball knowledge and then use analytics. He's Thanks, also not Els. wrong. He's Thanks, also Els. not wrong. He's also not wrong. Um, Scott, do you have to run? Cause I can continue with the guys on a couple other news items. If, if, if you get a dip out, I have a couple more minutes. Let's keep going. Okay. Well, before we keep going, game time is our preferred ticket and app because it is the easiest way to buy tickets to whatever you want to go to sporting events, concerts, comedy shows, theater, and much more. The app has so many cool features and is very easy to use. Shows you trending tickets, what sections the best deals are in and calls out cheap options and flash sales. So you can make an informed purchase. It's uh, you get images of your seats before you buy. It's a fast buying process. You know that you you know I've told you guys this every single episode for like the past three months. I like the app just because it's clean and easy to use. I know where everything is. Sometimes you download a new app and you're you're lost. You're like, who designed this UI? The Game Time UI is very very clean. Snag tickets today without stress using Game Time. Download the app, create an account, use code Bronx for twenty dollars off your first purchase. All right, couple of uh, off season key dates to look for that we can we can touch on here still tbd that post-mortem press conference do you think it's even going to happen or is the yankee strategy here just let's just go radio silent and and ignore things and maybe people will forget that we have to speak no they're deep in an audit man they're they're you know they're they're doing the work they're grinding they're uh they're they're in the trenches looking at everything got it that other that another company's doing got it um well they're auditing the auditors remember the first day after the World Series ends, which obviously could be a range of dates, is when the free agents become officially free agents. They become eligible for agency. Severino, Montes, IKF, Wandy Peralta, Middleton, McAllister, and Weaver on the Yankees roster officially become free agents the day after the World Series ends. Five days after the World Series ends, the Yankees have to make qualifying offers to uh impending free agents and then those players have until november 15th to decide so the qualifying offer is usually um like a blend of the top salaries at that position uh that you can make and then if the player accepts it you get him for one year and if he rejects it depending on um where that player ranks you get like a a compensation draft pick or something if he walks i don't expect them to give a qualifying offer to any of those players um November 5th, Gold Glove winner is announced. And to maybe some people's surprise, I don't know, uh, Anthony Volpe is a finalist. Anthony Rizzo is also a finalist, which love Rizzo. And I think he's an amazing defensive first baseman. But the fact that he was a finalist this year, you can make your own judgments on on how how the Gold Glove is, is there since he missed like half the season. But Anthony Volpe ranks near the top in almost every advanced fielding metric at shortstop. Outs above average, DRS, UZR, all these advanced defensive metrics. He did have uh, more errors than a lot of other guys. So depending on who's voting for the gold glove, are they looking at fielding percentage and errors or are they looking at some of these advanced metrics? We might see Volpe win the gold glove. If Volpe wins the gold glove, Scott, does that change your opinion on his rookie season at all? No, I saw his rookie season with my eyes. I know what it was. Uh, I'll be happy for them if he won the gold glove, but I don't know. It kind of tells me a little bit about the position across the league, honestly, than than uh, than him. We, we he was he was better than advertised 
on the defensive side. I thought he showed a lot of good things on the defensive side. If he wins a gold glove, then cool. Uh, but no, it doesn't change what I think. I thought I still think he had a good season with a lot of things to work on. There were there were clear deficiencies in his game um, that were uh, that 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 I believe that he can make changes upon. So, but it's good to see that we have a really good base for the defensive side of the ball. You're right, a lot better than advertised on the defensive side, and I I think we acknowledge that just throughout the season uh, using the eyeball test. I would not have said though he ranked near the top of the league in no. all these advanced metrics. And I, I never at any point this season was like, we're watching a gold glove shortstop. Even if you think the gold glove is crap. Um, so it, again, yeah. it's, and it also really depends on what the competition is. And so, you know, the, a down year in the, on the, in the position on the AL is, is also something to, to look at. If you compare historically, some of the guys who have won the gold glove at, um, at shortstop. The but, the finalists are also Carlos Correa and Corey Seager, along with Volpe. Yeah. So obviously, you know, good company at shortstop. November seventh through the ninth, the GM meetings. November fourteenth, major and minor league reserve lists are due to protect players from the Rule Five draft. November fifteenth, the Cy Young Award is announced, so we expect Garrett Cole to win that. November seventeenth is the non-tender deadline for arbitration players the Yankees have 17 arbitration players we went through this list a couple of episodes ago uh just to re- recap I think the guarantees coming back on that list are Glaber Col- uh, Clay Holmes Nestor Cortez uh Jose Trevino Michael King and Clark Schmidt I think on the bubble guys are Loizaga Higgy Jake Bowers Albert Abreu Jimmy Cordero and I think not likely to return for one reason or, or the other Lou Trevino Franchi Cordero Domingo Herman. Matt Bowman, Ryan Weber, and Billy McKinney. Do you disagree with any of those? Um, I think some of the guys coming back from injury, you know, have potential re-signings with, uh, you know, with with you know incentive laden contracts. But for the most part, I think it's that's pretty solid. And then the the winter meetings are December third through the sixth, and then January twelfth, twenty twenty four, is the deadline to agree on contracts for arbitration players. Before you might have to go to you know an arbitration hearing or something like that. And then mid February is spring training again, pitchers and catchers report. And then at some point we will maybe see some trades, maybe see some free agent signings, because I do know that the Yankees roster needs a, a big overhaul. And that sort of takes us into a survey that The Athletic did of over 5,000, actually 5,789 Yankees fans that they polled on some key questions on the Yankees. And I want to run through a couple of these and get your thoughts. So they asked Yankees fans, what do you think is the Yankees major league team only biggest strength? What do you think they answered as number one? Home runs. Okay, so they, the options were pitching, defense, or hitting. Oh, uh, pitch, I guess they would probably say pitching. 77% said pitching. What do you think is the Yankees' biggest weakness of hitting, pitching, or defense? What do you think they said? Hitting. 94% in a landslide said hitting. What do you view as the Yankees' biggest need this offseason? Hitting. 90% said hitting. What is the biggest concern about the organization right now? We've got roster construction. We've got player development. We've got analytics being misapplied. We've got payroll spending, and we've got player consistency. Um, read the first two again. We've got analytics being misapplied and roster construction. Yeah, uh, I don't, 
biggest Ro- roster problem. Con- roster biggest construction. Concern. It was roster construction, 67%. Analytics being misapplied was second at 14%. So they're also one in the same. <laughs> and then we've got... Uh, if Shohei Otani is unrealistic, which it shouldn't be, who should the Yankees' number one free agent target be? Yankees fans, 57% of them said Yoshi, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Yoshi, the, the jet, top Japanese pitcher. And to that I say, three questions ago, you just said offense and hitting is the biggest problem with this team. So why are we making our number one priority a starting pitcher? I don't I th- understand that. I thought for sure Bellinger would have been the answer. He's number two at 25%, but a far distant second. And I think the problem here is that the They're pitching market, athletic readers. the pitching market this year, we talked about this last episode, the pitching free agent market is very, very good. There's a lot of guys this offseason on the pitching market. Yamamoto, who we just mentioned, we've got Montgomery, who's back on the market, Blake Snell. Like there's some pitching names here that are on the market. And then the offensive names, you've got Cody Bellinger, you've got Matt Chapman. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's not a lot. That's my, that, that's, that's kind of what we've been talking about. There's so if they're going to rebuild a, an, uh, an offensive team or re, it, it, this is not the year to do it. It's just not, it's not a lot of great options. Be through other means. You've got to make some trades. And I don't know. It, it's, it's not easy to completely retool the roster position player wise by trading in the offseason, especially when your farm system is not stock full of guys people are beating down your door to get because Jason Dominguez is not being traded at this point. So we were kind of having this conversation in chat a couple days ago. You still got Oswald Peraza, who I guess has some value, but none of the guys in the Yankee system at this point, even the other guys we saw called up at the end of the year, Austin Wells um, and... um, uh, why am I drawing a blank on Pereira uh, and uh, Pereira? These guys, um, there's not significant value on the market across you, other leagues. You're going to be, not, you're, you're not going to get something back. You'd have, none of them are centerpieces to a, to a, to a big trade. Right. There's there's supplemental pieces. Right. Yeah. And and again, if you're going out and and looking for for uh, complementary role players and and making uh, adjust, that's where you're going to have to make some adjustments in this one. You're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to really look to find complementary players to do something, and that that, that takes that takes a lot of uh, you know the the nerds and the baseball guys talking and making sure that they're identifying a particular makeup of a player and trying to fill gaps. This goes back to my conversation that I had earlier in the year uh, with uh, Max Goodman, and and was concerning to me because his thought, and uh, you know, just from being um, on the beat and and hearing the, the hearing the street talk, that they the Yankees were going to really rely on their young players next year. They're going to go in looking at their young players, and that's concerning because I don't believe they have the talent on the uh, on the, the the young side beyond Dominguez and Volpe that is going to make a damn of difference. Um, for for this team. And like you just said, they don't have the pieces. And that goes to why they're not going to be helpful on the on the major league level. They don't even have the the trade chips to go out and, and get guys unless you're looking at guys who are complementary and fit a particular need, fit a particular skill set that can that can play well with this team as far as makeup. But who the hell is making those decisions? Who is who is doing that? Who is building that team? Who is going out and being creative outside of the bullpen for the New York Yankees? I don't know. I don't know who who that person is that I have confidence for on the player uh, everyday player side. 
But it's also complementary pieces are good when you need to fill one spot on the roster or one spot and a bench spot, not when you have three or four holes in the starting lineup. You yeah. can't fill f- you can't fill four ninths of the starting lineup with role players. That's correct. <laughs> You're not going to be a good team. All right, quickly before we wrap up, I want to uh, get your thoughts on the next three questions. So they asked on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the highest, their confidence level in Aaron Boone. And answers were pretty much split about, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12% between one and five. But the the biggest was five at 16%, which, okay, five confidence is like, eh, what kind of confident, not confident at 16%. But the answers were pretty much spread across. One through 10? Yeah, one confidence through 10. Confidence level? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, very few people said nine or 10, but like they are pretty distributed between one through five and even six. Actually- Seven, 15%. I just saw that. 15%. So seven confidence in Aaron Boone. Then same question for Brian Cashman. 34% of people said one. 18% said two. 16% said three. So the, uh, according to the Yankees fans they polled, the much bigger problem here is Brian Cashman. Yeah, it, I mean the construction of the ro- it goes back to the construction of the roster question and what the biggest problem is. So it makes sense that 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 one does make sense in in what they uh, in the consistency of this poll. That said, that said, a new voice given the exact same team could certainly change things uh, for the better in in a, in a few ways. Like they just they do need a new voice. It's it, it, it can't why can't it be both? Because it is. It's both. It's not and just then one. The final one on. Same question on Hal Steinbrenner. 25% of people said they only have a one confident 16% too. Kind of uh, pretty similar to Brian Cashman. So according to the Yankees fans, they polled the leadership at the very top, Hal, and just under Hal, Brian Cashman, who's controlling all of the baseball decisions, is the, the least confident, is what they have the least confidence in and where they've seen this team deteriorate most, which is the roster construction over the past three, four, five seasons. And I I think I agree with that. I also agree that while Aaron Boone is not a bigger problem than Brian Cashman, he's still um, a problem. But he's walking into a lame duck year, and I expect him to be here in 2024. And it's probably going to come down to, does the team make the playoffs? Then they'll re-sign him. Does the team not make the playoffs? Then they won't re-sign him. That's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. They don't make decisions in a rational way sometimes. A lot of times, most of the times is what it seems like. So, And a lot of them are uh, pre-made decisions that just kind of are played out. They just they just tend to play out that are decisions that are made well before um, – well, before you need to actually look at and, and have some account. Again, it goes back to an accountability piece because when you have pre-made decisions, you're not actually looking at what the person is doing. You're just looking at what you what your plan was and then just going with that plan and blindly going with that plan. And that's a that's a goddamn problem. And I don't know exactly how much Aaron Boone makes on a yearly basis. Does that is that information public? I think it's like three, four ish million bucks. So it's not like a ton of money. But also, Hal might be looking at it like, well, I'm not going to pay Aaron Boone $4 million to go broadcast again in the ESPN booth and then also sign a new manager for another three or four million bucks. If that's a concern, that then we're screwed. It could be a factor. There's no way that's a factor. And if it is, we're screwed. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to eat way more than that with Stanton's contract. So they should get used to, to uh, eating. It's those. a 3.4, wait, 3.45 million deal total of the contract? Remaining one, or? So he's like one of the lowest paid, ma- he's one of the lowest paid managers in baseball at a million dollars a year, right? Like no. that's got to be one of the lowest paid managers in baseball. I would say they probably, that's probably average unless you have one of the veteran managers that get the extra. Okay. Maybe I'm just uh, throwing, I, I don't know. I, I For some reason, I thought his deal was like $3 million a year because he signed a new deal. I figured they would have given him like a pretty I'm substantial sure they, raise. Yeah, I think he definitely did get a raise. I don't know if that new deal is public knowledge because I'm not finding it, but I feel like I remember it being a slight raise, if any. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up today's show. Next week, we are planning on starting our our sort of GM episode series where we'll go through all the free impending free agents, all the decisions that, you know, trade options, what teams around the league might be doing, sort of setting the stage for our GM episode, which will happen following the World Series where Scott and I each lay out what we would do if Brian Cashman were fired today and Hal, we got a phone call from Hal and be like, hey, we need you. We need your assistance. We need we need to rebuild this roster. You know, right. the, in the in the past, real quick, in the past, we have we have gone at this approach as if uh, you know, trying to be like a realistic. You know, what would we do if we were Brian Cashman, knowing kind of how the history has been? I wonder if we just say let's throw that out the window and and do what um, you know what we firmly believe that the Yankees should do, not what we believe they might do, and it's realistic. And let's just. Let's just do this. Let's just reconstruct this team ourselves. And, and I almost think we, we off the top, just be like, we both want to sign Shohei Otani. Let's put that to the side and talk about all the other moves. Yeah. But I think it's a good approach this year because, uh, you know, the decision-making is certainly uh, questioned. And I don't feel like thinking like Brian Cashman and what the Yankees would do. It's not fun. And it's, uh, <laughs> no. it's, it's, not, it's not a good exercise. So let's, let's buck the system a bit. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.